Thanks, Alex, for taking the time to talk with me about your most recent project, Roots. It's it's incredible to see the how how much how much music is produced for a film or a project an episodical like this. When you were first approached for the project, what, what were the initial conversations like? What what were you being told? Because there are different directors for each episode. Right. So it's it's sort of made like four separate movies. They they've been showing it like the original was shown on consecutive evenings. Um, so. It, Although it's a mini-series, it's also each one has got a different feel and a different story to it. So it's sort of like doing four movies, yeah, back to back within I don't know four about four months, four, four and a half months, something like that. It's quite intense. And, and for you, I guess, to establish some continuity between all the episodes, I guess there's a theme that kind of came out. Right. How do you describe just kind of figuring out the theme and feeling like, all right, this is something that we can really stick with well that was that was the first thing I did and I knew that we needed to get that straight before anything because that's the one thing that is going to give continuity and allow you to have something that evolves and forms the backbone of, of the thing there are a lot of different characters the story spans a hundred years it starts in West Africa comes to America so it's really it's epic you know epics really the word that comes to mind so uh, I wrote the, th the main theme that you get. Um, there's no title sequence at all. So you don't hear it as a, on a title, but you hear it all the way through you know, the shows, especially when a new baby is born and held up to the stars and reminded, you know, this is where you come from, this is where you get the theme. And I think the thing I wanted to do with the theme is have something uplifting, because, you know, Roots, it's people, come to it imagining it's a hard watch and it, it, there are parts of it which is hard because it, if it wasn't hard to watch it wouldn't be doing its job properly because yeah. you know it's a tough tough part of his, history but I think the point was to also make it uplifting and make it not just a story of despair but a story of hope and how people can over, overcome terrible situations in life and have hope and move on and so the theme is actually sort of quite uplifting um, and it proved to be really useful because there are plenty of moments in the show that actually are uplifting or at least where the characters are even though in their darkest moments are able to try and you know just keep on going and that was really important for me to have something that could give light as well as shade musically nice and, and you've had the opportunity to work on other films that kind of take place in the africa right um, um and for you i guess when you first found out about this project and that you'd be going back to, I guess, the types of textures and tones, what did you want to do differently when it came to just the overall feel of this film? Yeah, I, I, I've done quite a few pictures, sort of coincidentally, I don't know, that are set in Africa. The first one I did was um, a few, quite a few years ago called The Last King of Scotland. It was with Forrest Whitaker again, who's in this actually, and it's, it's nice to see the same actors in different roles and you sort of you you have a strange relationship with an actor as a composer because you rarely meet them sometimes meet them but rarely but but yet you live with them all day in your studio on the screen in front of you it's sort of it's it's sort of funny so uh, it got a bit of used to getting used to to see Forrest as Fiddler in Roots after I knew him so well as Idi Amin in Last King of Scotland when we did Last King, I actually went out to Uganda and, and spent some time recording there and working with bands and singers and 
that was a that was a great and unique experience. We the schedule on routes was uh, just crazy, so we didn't have the luxury of me going to West Africa. But we did do um, some recording in Gambia with um, Sona Jabate, who's a great singer, and she plays the kora as well. Um, we did some male vocals there, and we did children's choir as well. So that was all done remotely, and that's just a great way of getting a real a real texture and you know some of the real deal but for me it was important to have that but also not be tied down to you know authenticity as the last uh like the you know the only the only way to go because what i wanted to do is have authentic material and real material and then do something with it to turn it on its head and make it not just a travelogue or just like you, you know the music's got to take something authentic and then comment on it and go somewhere further with it um try and get into the interior lives of the characters rather than just being a documentary that's you know if roots was a documentary it'd be a very different thing and really although roots is about slavery and about history it's really the story of people you know they're just people really that's what it boils down to and their family um, and it's that's where music can really help is to try and bring to life the emotional side of, of things and so tried with you know with this theme and with these vocals to try and draw out some emotion and some joy and some excitement and darkness as well but um, so just not to be constrained by being too documentary there are places where it's it's really quite authentic and quite real and the, the, the singers we've used are the real deal and there are other places where for example when Kunta comes first to America my concept of it was that he, he was like an alien he was he was literally transported to a different planet where everything looked and tasted and smelt different didn't know the language so actually the music goes quite synth there for a bit and actually I took some of the African elements and jumbled them up and processed them so that it it sort of sounded familiar but strange at the same time to try and give his to see it from his perspective yeah. and that's always what the directors and the producers were saying to me is let's make this from the perspective of Kunta and from the slaves not from an impartial historical perspective or perspective from the slave owners this is this is like let's try and see it through their eyes and what the world would look like to be transplanted from Gambia to some other continent that they probably weren't even told right so you know that was my concept is to go a bit alien there and then as the as the family gets uh, you get the new generations that are assimilated into America, uh, you start getting the music morphs and the way the themes are used probably more orchestrally, you know, as we get closer in time. So it's funny, it's actually more synthy in the older part of the of the story. And as it progressively gets more modern, it gets more, uh, you know, less, less synthy, sort of slightly different to what you would expect. But that's how it, it just seems to make sense to me. Yeah. And for your writing process, uh, I see a big keyboard here right <laughs> and I, I imagine you're drawn to a piano but when you're thinking of the instrumentation of still got some of this and there's some says, holding up some manuscript paper <laughs> yeah there's just some still, manuscript. Uh, still doesn't go out of fashion <laughs> no not at all <laughs> for you you know what instrumentation were you drawn to because you it's not a traditional approach to staying with just instrumentation that was just from the area so what, what right. was your approach for that um 
Well, the approach, as I said, was not to be constrained by feeling like um, I had to stick to one thing. Um, definitely Africa is an echo that goes all the way through all the night. So even though the characters get progressively further and further from their roots and essentially by the time you get to Chicken George in night three, he has no experience of Africa. In fact, he, you know, he starts to think that they're all talking about his grandfather, Kunta Kinte, who's this sort of foreign dude to him. He's like, what, what is this Africa stuff? But of course he gets drawn into it and through his life experience, he realizes that you know that's his roots and that's where he comes from. So having, having an off-screen echo even of Africa was important. So there's always drums, there's always there are always percussion, there's always djembes and um, the regular well, sort of yeah. I mean, a lot of it is like a hand drum. It's not right. a yeah. It's not something with a mallet per se. Yeah, yeah. There's hand drums. There's uh, there are a lot of um, I really love in West Africa. They have, well, they have the kora, which mm -hmm. is sort of Senegalese, West African, Gambian, which we use in night two particularly. Um, I've used thumb pianos quite a lot, um, which are you know, thumb pianos are generically African. I think you get them more mm -hmm. in more in South African. You get them all over the place. Yeah. But with the thumb pianos, I actually used them. I detune them a lot. I actually would record them myself here. I've got a whole bunch of them sitting up there. I was there. wondering how many yeah. you had, because you hear them throughout a yeah. lot of the tracks that come yeah. in and out. Yeah, yeah but I, I, what I would do is I would record them, then pitch them down an octave and up an octave and stack them to make them mm. just sort of sound a little weird so instead of using a regular piano we, we don't mm -hmm. really use piano that much i would yeah i would do it on the thumb piano because it's slightly detuned and and doing it at very speed is quite interesting mm. sometimes um we did the orchestral element we recorded uh, in london actually mm. um so I, I was careful about how we used orchestra certainly in the first night there's very little of it because the story is set in africa so progressing, and, it, yeah. and, it, and it needs to progress it needs to go yeah. somewhere um but by the end of the first episode after that horrendous whipping scene and fiddler is comforting kunta you start to get a, a little bit of the strings but they're still quite hot, held back and night two gets sort of into action mode where he's on he's on the run and escaping and this mm -hmm. it's still very percussion driven but the the orchestra gets edged in so that by the time we get to three and it becomes a really emotional family drama that the palette's opened up gradually so it doesn't just suddenly yeah come out of nowhere and that's that's something i try and do a lot is look at the, the bigger picture and how you can develop a sound across you know, if it's a movie, you know, mm -hmm. across the two hours, or in this case, across the eight hours. Eight hours, yeah. Which was complicated by the fact that we actually started scoring episode three of Roots first. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> how do you, like when it comes to temping, when it comes to like right. the discussions of the dynamics of the music and, and how you want it to play through, what was the production timeline? Like you started with episode three, but then yeah. how did you create a roadmap for yourself to understand understand the path of the music yeah well it, it's not always easy <laughs> um, for me I, I like to just have a, a big picture in my head I, li I like to have an overview of the whole story sometimes I even draw it out on a big piece of paper just so I can see you know like in cutting rooms a lot of the time they'll do that as well they'll have a big poster board and I have a big poster board up there on yeah, my yeah. Wall, which you can't yep. see but yeah sometimes I, I, I will put the shape of the whole movie up there just so I can see it and get a hang on that. Um, 
in this case it, it just all came so thick and fast it's 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 almost a blur but um, all, all I can say is that I, I try to keep the bigger picture in my mind so even though we went we was we started in the middle went to the end and then went to the near the beginning then back to the beginning and then near to the beginning again it was it was pretty um, yeah difficult to keep track I think on one day I think we switched episodes three times. We were going to do this episode, then we were going to record this episode, and then we were going to... You know, it was, uh, that's just the nature of TV. It's very different to film. T TV is like... Um, you know, the TV shows this sort of like stack of monsters. It's nothing you can do about it. It's just going to wriggle and wriggle until yeah. the end. But but exciting for it. It's not It's not a complaint. It, was, it just makes it very immediate. Mm -hmm very immediate which is an exciting part of it how much time did you have in the kind of writing stages and pre-production to f kind of figure out what you the direction you want the head before you started to make decisions and start to put pen to paper and really commit um not a lot okay i, I try to give myself that time I've, I've tried i've learned over over the years that giving yourself more time than you think at the beginning pays off yeah but you do have to sweat a bit because you know you could sit here for a couple of days giving yourself time yeah but the phone is ringing saying where's my music yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's a little bit of a game of dare with yourself you know how long you're going to give it not not for not just to procrastinate but just to let your brain just like take in the task that's ahead of you um as i said the reality is that we started in january and we did you know, we did four two-hour movies in four and a half months. We only just finished it. Yeah, so no, it's not like last January week, right? Four, yeah, it was last. I mean, it was a week yeah. before broadcast. So, yeah. so it's a little over a month for each each episode. They're quite long. Night three was two hours twenty-five. It's incredible. So you know, they're quite big pieces. You know, um, the the premiere lengths are over length. I think they they do cut downs afterwards. Mm -hmm. So uh, the answer to that is not a lot. Yeah, sure. But you know, it, usually it gets easier, and I, it, it did get easier on this. But because each night was different as well, and there is common material, there are themes that run through. But each night is tonally very different. That it, it wasn't like starting from scratch with each one, but it was surprisingly. Uh, you sort of had to go back to the drawing board to a surprising amount to make sure that it was it fitted the night yeah. and to each director's vision because you know Philip Noyce's vision on night one is very different to Bruce Beresford's on night four. You know they they're both brilliant in their own ways and, and a very different vision and they are they're all great directors and they were encouraged to bring their mark to it. So, you know, as a composer, you really have to, you have to go with that. You can't just say, well, here's the music. Mm. You know, you've got, you've, got to, you've got to try and get under the skin of that director and work out where they're coming from. And that's one of the interesting things. How, how did you feel to balance the kind of the accelerated timelines? Mm. The fact that you have four different directors is, I mean, sometimes just getting comfortable with one director, kind of sharing that language and getting on the same page. You can imagine right. with four, you know, what what do you think was kind of the key in terms of was it kind of presenting them with ideas and saying this is what we did on the other episodes or we're doing already like how do you guide how do you stay true 
One thing I learned is don't talk about the other episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell anybody about your previous project. No, not even that. But it's just no, like you know, I everyone mean, yeah, was, sure. you know, it was it was so tight on time that uh, everyone felt like they were being squeezed on time. And and actually, you know, it, it was very the way it was all meted out was very fair. But I try to I try to say to all of them. I'm going to do something special for you on your night and I'm going to make it special for you, which I genuinely did. Yeah, try. sure. Um, as well as there being the obvious fact that there had to be material that went across all the nights. Um, but I didn't want people to feel like they were just inheriting material from right. somewhere else. It was yeah. just, you know, sort of tricky. Yeah. But I genuinely wanted to make... And the music, it really is quite, you know, it really is quite different across the different nights in some ways. Um so I, you know that's that, that's another you know stacking a box of gerbils question. Absolutely. Um, did but, you? I mean, you know. well, as I asked, like, did you find that you'd go back to a certain type of sound or rhythm rhythm that you felt would represent kind of like you're saying that that returning to Africa, re- returning yeah. them to the beginning of the story? So I, I would, and I, and it was actually a really unique opportunity to return to material but try it in different ways. Yeah. So we're in the theme. We've got these big these big drums that come in and a vocal that comes in halfway through and then builds and builds and it's sort of uplifting and it was mm-hmm. it was fun to try that in different ways we had in night two we had the children's choir that we added in there as a there's a theme of uh kizzy's young mm. and she has her first child very young and mario von people's was really he was really excited about the idea of having kids in there as part of the color because he wanted it to be optimistic you know there's nothing more great about listening to kids it's going to bring a smile to your face so he was like we've got to have some kids in there Mm. so you know uh, in other episodes instead of having those drums we would do it in a slightly different way or we would we would try i'd try different arrangements where we would one episode we had some action that we did on quite big orchestra and another one i wanted to have similar material but we did it just with electric cellos just um overdubbing electric cellos to make it tighter and a bit rough around the edges um so it was a really fun opportunity to try the same material in different ways and it, it i actually felt like it was like a quite a good forensic opportunity to get under some of the material in a very short amount of time given. And because we were recording with the same bands and having the same mm. mixer, it was sort of interesting for the music the music mixer gym to have the same material but do something slightly different with it every time. It was it was actually quite interesting. Nice. Um there's also a lot of weight to some of those drums, a very low bottom, very powerful bottom, and it's played in a very I wouldn't say aggressive, but it, like it's very attacking. It's very, it, it feels very prime. Uh, um, maybe primal is right where I'm not right. sure. Yeah. But that's how that's how it sounded to me. Um, well, that's good. What was it about the simplicity of these, of the interpretation? Like you're saying, you're not using a big orchestra yeah. to represent. Where did you go, and then to kind of represent some of the maybe the energy that you'd get from an orchestra or you know a brass or string section that you c- could just simplify? Yeah. Well, there's something there's something very powerful about drums. I think it goes back to a heartbeat right. thing for sure. Um, and, and there's something very powerful about vocals. Yeah. Vocals are really tough to cast because it's they really are just like a lead actor. You know, you can you can have loads of brilliant actors, but 
they might not be right for the part. And mm. It's the same with a vocal. And so it took some time to cast around for a vocal that I could use thematically mm. or sometimes instead of a lead instrument, I would use a, a, an African vocal. But just getting it right was, you know, we had a few, we've, we had a few goes and we finally found some great, you know, options. So what was the direction that you were given since it was a remote session? Yeah, yeah. Yes, those were remote. I try and talk to singers like an actor and I, I, I sort of like being talked to as an actor myself when a director talks to me. I, I like them to talk to me not really about music but about how you want to feel, how you the want emotion to, of it. the emotion of the scene yeah. and how you want the audience to feel at the end of the scene and in, in terms of pace and drama rather than tempo and meter, you know, that, that right. tempo and meter things is... Things that don't kind of equate to the emotion necessarily. No, no, let's, like, let's just take it back to the, yeah. you know, take it back to how the audience are going to feel it because they're not going to be thinking about the tempo and the meter, they're going to be think, thinking... I sort of think of it a little bit like a musical mirror. Mm. I feel like the mirror, you know, the director should talk to me like an actor. I soak it in, I work, I sort of feel the emotion that I'm seeing on screen. I, I translate it into the music and then it bounces back off to the audience and hopefully they feel the same thing in their head that was coming from the director. You know, if you get it right um, and it, all the stars line up, then that's that's how I like to think of it. So I, I, I don't like to talk to singers too much about music per se but try and get the characterization that's i think singers really respond to that so mm. and technology is amazing these days so you, i was gonna say yeah. i look in your studio here i've seen many different sizes many right. different places this feels very uh, simplistic in the sense i feel like you're you surrounded yourself with just the things that you go to what you want yeah what I, is it about that your process and well i've i've spent years of like neck aches and <laughs> headaches and like trying to work out what's the best arrangement of all my technology. And, yeah. and I've worked out that just keeping it really simple is a way, a great way of staying relaxed and efficient. <laughs> so, I mean, how much of it is in the box versus taking it, you know, to pen and paper and whatnot? I mean, it's mostly, it's mostly in the box. Yeah. Um, it's just, that's, I have the full orchestral template in there. I yeah. work really quickly like that. But is that where you started in terms of your process or is that where it kind some, of evolved in? Sometimes it depends what the style of music is. Right. Sometimes at the piano, sometimes with pen and paper. I always have pencil and paper next to me because mm. sometimes when you're working on the computer, you know, computers are great, but they still, they are just a tool. They're between, just another, yeah. they're just another pen and paper. But the, the form of it, the, the, the way you input music onto a computer is, it's great because it's very, it's very immediate. You can record as if you're just playing the piano, but there is something about listening to a theme and writing it on a piece of paper. And when you can see it on the paper and it looks right, you sort of know, you can spot where the mistake, I, I can, I speak for myself. Yeah, yeah sure. you can, it, when it looks right on the page, you know it's right. And you can see things that look clumsy on the page. Mm. Uh, certainly in like a, t a top line theme if it's something very defined and it's mm -hmm. it's clear sometimes I'll just I'll just write it out on a bit of paper and have a look at it and go ah okay right now that's that looks clumsy there and so it's it's another it's a great tool I think trying to combine the two um, how has it changed for you in terms of when you started to now in terms of technology has it simplified it for you has it made it more organized 
ironically, as the technology has got better and more complex, it's got more simple. Mm-hmm. Like computers used to be a nightmare, you know, when yeah, DOS sure. first came out. Yeah, yeah, oh, switching the computer on yeah, was yeah. like a major nightmare, whereas now a lot of the complexity is hidden beneath the surface. The surface. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think now that we've had some years to digest technology and it's not a new toy anymore. Right. You can't use it as a gimmick per se. It's not so gimmicky anymore. No. It was so exciting, you know, when yeah. uh, when when it all, you know, everyone was just throwing everything at it. Yeah, sure. Um, I I try to um, just not over. I get. I love technology. I'm not a luddite. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm well into it. Believe me. <laughs> but um, but I, I I like to actually hold back a bit. I mean, I I still think the days when I was using my JV1080. In fact, I still have one in the rack. I see it here. It doesn't actually get used anymore. But it's, it's more it, as a it represents the time. An old friend. Yeah, exactly. I had all of my Roland samplers, and <laughs> yeah. you know, times were more simple then. But in a way, it. I was very lucky. I was. I'm not that old, but I'm old enough <laughs> to have um, been working in the, you know, for 15, 20 years now where it was much more a given that you would just do a rough mock-up mock yeah, and then you would go and record it with the real thing. And I got used to knowing what the real thing was going to sound like very early on. I was very lucky. I was an assistant. Mm. I was quite young and mm-hmm. worked as an assistant to a movie composer in London for almost five years. And mm. we recorded pretty much, you know, everything live. So I was used to making mock-ups on my JV 1080 and, and really not stressing about it. It's like, yeah, yeah, really fast. Is it's really fast. Yeah. It's just one string patch. Yeah. You know, sure. it sounds, it sounds fine. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, no, this is, this yeah. is fine. This, this tells you what it's going to sound like. And then you go and do it the real thing. So yeah, <laughs> it, it sounds sort of, off, but I was I feel really lucky and I feel it's really tough for the younger ones now because the way budgets have changed mm. and styles have changed they don't get a chance to record live as much and so you grow up thinking that the samples are, are what it sounds like that's a, yeah and samples aren't all bad I mean the right. samples can be great mm-hmm. you know and it's a real sound they have a punchy sound which can be great but I I tr- great as my samples are and they are way better than JV1080s in a way <laughs> I'm no better off than I was with a, just a JV1080 patch because yeah. if you know it's still a good tune's a good tune and if it's voiced really well on a real orchestra it's yeah. you know it's it's going to sound great so I, I don't want to diss my samples but I, I try sure. to look past them and just try not to let them rule me but let them just work for me as a tool <laughs> yeah when you look across all your projects, roots and everything that's come before it, do you find that you can kind of put your finger on, oh, this is my, not necessarily my sound, but this is something that I think is unique and personal to me. Is there is there something that when you look at your work that kind of keeps recurring? I try not to listen back to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd probably leave it to other people. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't know. I guess... I guess there's some there's there is a through line there. If it is maybe melody, I really I still a strong believer that a good tune is a good tune, and when an audience hears a great theme in a movie, they really respond to it. And there's a lot of you know styles come and go and change, and mm-hmm. we went through the let's just do let's just do strings and beats, and yeah, sure. let's just do 
this and let's just do that you know and i've seen enough of those now they come and go pretty quickly yeah but a good tune uh, really doesn't go out of fashion and even when the director is saying you know i don't want something thematic well that's that may well be the case and there's you know there right there are definitely times when that's yeah absolutely but mm-hmm. i would never rule it out in fact i've been in a scenario just like that on the movie where the director was very very firm about that and so i obviously i went with it there's no i'm not gonna yeah, force, yeah. but you know at the last minute i felt like there was an element missing you know something that the audience could really just so I put it in there on, on the recording stage. It was in there in the demos. It was sort of tucked away on the recording stage. The director came to me and said, what's what's that? I said, it's the, it's the theme. Mm-hmm. And, and she said to me, that's, that's great. I love it. Can we hear more of it? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that's the one thing that won't go out of fashion. And, and there are styles that go out of fashion and, and big symphonic thematic scores are not in style at the moment. And, and that's 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 fine, but yeah. there's there are still new ways of of creating something that has a strong theme, sure, that can still be modern, and so that's something that interests me. Maybe that's a through line. I don't well, know. I mean, definitely for a project like Roots, what you're talking about with harkening back to the sound of Africa, you hear like I definitely caught on to the the thumb piano. Right. To me, that was something that I've always, I've never really put my thumb on where what I associate that sound with. But in the context of kind of a very um, simplistic, primal kind of organic sound, mm. it, it works really well. And it's actually, it's it's great to hear your interpretation of what you would consider, you know, that might be like a drum circle or might be a vocal chant. And the combination of the two, it, it's, it's a really, it's a really unique um, interpretation, I guess, of, of it. Oh, well, th- thank you. You know, it's, when Africa is portrayed in movies it can it can so easy just become a you know a stereotype as, yeah. as anything can in, right, in a right. movie but you know it's it's very easy just to pile in the big the big drums and uh there we are we're in africa and it's and and to its an extent you know drumming is it's the heart it's the heartbeat of, of african music there's no right. question about it but just trying to find little ways of of doing my own thing with it i'm also a strong believer that if you if you're interested in developing a style i guess everyone's got a style that yeah that it will come through whatever mm. and so i don't think i don't really think what my style is but i know what i'm interested in what i like and I, i'm i try and relax and know that whatever i'm trying to do it'll probably come off with <laughs> you know my my sound it seeps into it it sort of seeps into it and i yeah. say that to to students and stuff i say you know just a lot of students write to me and ask about, you know, what sample libraries do you use? And, sure. and I I just, they probably come away really disappointed. They want some career advice. And I say, well, take some exercise. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get out, get some fresh air. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, seriously. Yeah. You know, it's, you have to be in a studio 18 hours a day. You've got to get out. It's tough, but you've got to keep your brain working, you know, eat, eat properly. And maybe don't worry about samples too much for now. Why don't you go away and try writing some just really simple basic tunes and mm-hmm. reharmonize them in different ways? And I don't want to sound like old-fashioned or fuddy-duddy, but yeah, sometimes sure. just taking a step back to, the, you know, the, the just really, regain the perspective. Just regain the perspective yeah. um, and find out what you really like doing and what you're 
good at because what you're good at is generally i think what you love doing and vice versa that sounds like good advice to me um and everyone will find maybe it's not writing themes maybe it's maybe it's doing great stuff with samples or sound design or doing i don't know but you know just having a chance to find what your thing is and then once you get once you get something an area that you're good in and of course you need to be good in lots of different things but i think it's important it's important to have an area that you're good in. I think you were asking me, and I think probably (laughs) trying to write for an orchestra, but integrate that with other things. Mm. I've had to do that a lot in Lasky in Scotland, in Mandela, and lots of different ways. And it's, once you find something you're really good and you enjoy doing, that work hopefully sort of finds you like a magnet or you find it. That's that's the ideal. I don't know if it's yeah, really yeah. true, but you know, um, if you spend a lot of time, I guess what I'm also saying is, if you do create a voice and you create work that has a certain style to it, then people come to you and ask for you to do it again, mm. um, and then maybe you get typecast. I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing that's I was, a good problem. To no, have. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that like when we look at the theme of of the movies, it's 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 things that are somewhat biographies like Mandela right things that are happening people have a a memory there's some type of story that's being told that's being represented in these films and I think you know how you represent the energy and tone musically kind of can persuade people's perspectives on right on it yeah yeah I mean I did I've done quite a few biopics I did one of Lance Armstrong last year Mm -hmm. called The Program which is very different again but um and yeah, quite a few real life type history. I did a, a film called Emperor with Tommy Lee Jones about the last days of the Japanese war. Mm-hmm. Um, really good film, actually. Uh, I've been very lucky to do a really a really wide range of things. I did a film with Stallone and Schwarzenegger called Escape Plan a few years ago. It's a <laughs> real popcorn, just like Friday night. Yeah. But great, but great, you know, great fun. I actually really enjoyed doing it. Yeah. Totally the other end of the spectrum to yeah. Roots. But um I do love I love that variety, but I, I probably I probably have focused on or ended up doing movies that are more biographical, historical. Well, or, people must look at your body of work and say, uh, we, "Alex can handle it; he can carry that." Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, who knows? <laughs> you know, who knows? But uh, the variety, the variety is good. Yeah, it's it is interesting when you look back and see the work that you've done because when, when you're starting out you um i you never know what work you're gonna you you know you're gonna end up doing and i think this goes back to trying to work out what you love doing and what what you're good at if if you can Mm. if you can work that out then as i said you you will gravitate in a certain direction or maybe you're just a great all-rounder um (laughs) that's you know funnily enough being a great all-rounder is harder Mm. just in the sense that it's harder for people to, def- to define you. And I, I know this because I have, you know, I, I have got a very broad, especially when I was starting, I, I, I did quite a number of different things. And so people don't quite know, you know, where you fit in the spectrum. Mm. Um, and I personally, I find that a strength, but it is, it is tough. It is tough. And um, it's the other end of the spectrum of being, uh, typecast is like well you you're so broad that people mm-hmm. don't quite know where you fit in so it's right. an interesting it's an interesting conundrum and one that 
you know, it gets whittled down as you do more work and mm-hmm. people find a focus in what, in what you do. Yeah. But it's, it's not a bad thing, but it does make it harder to you know, sell yourself to someone. Sure. <laughs> now, for people who want to experience the soundtrack, is there going to be a release of the music? Yes. We are working on a release uh, with a great label whose name shall remain nameless okay. because we're just in the middle of doing the deal. Signing the papers. Yeah, we're just signing yeah, the papers. Yeah. But yeah, so we, um, yeah, we have a release coming out shortly, which is exciting. That's really great. Yeah. I mean, how much material is going to be able to make it on the soundtrack? Yeah. I know we could, we could easily fill a double you know a double album yeah yeah I think well at the moment I have about 70 minutes of score and we're looking at putting some other um, pieces on there as well stuff that, that that wasn't in the film or no I mean it would be great to get a couple of the there's some amazing archive mm. recordings field songs work songs oh nice um, there's a we're working on the rights issues of whether sure it's all that complication yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's certainly um 70 minutes of school that'll fill up um plenty of the cd as as a as a sort of a broad overview to represent the yeah. project yeah that's fantastic and for people who want to continue following your work where's a good place for them to go there's something called the worldwide squiffy <laughs> net or something like that i guess you'll find there's stuff up oh you know on 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 the web on your uh, website too on the website yeah. um there's stuff coming out later in the year um i did a film for Disney which mm. will be out in the fall called The Queen of Cutway which oh, nice. is actually set in Africa coincidentally yeah. it's not like every film I do is in Africa but yeah, this, yeah. this year has been an African one and that, that's it's a great movie it's a true life story about a girl in uh, Africa who uh, turned out she was illiterate lived mm. in a slum but turned out to be a chess genius and became country champion it's a, it's a beautiful film directed by Mira Nair mm. that's coming out um I have uh, an action movie with Idris Elba called mm. Bastille Day, which um, yeah. will be out here later in the year, which is a great popcorn. Yeah, he's there yeah, he's on the poster being, Ma- yeah. Yeah, being Mandela there in the background. Yeah. But this is this is sort of like uh, Idris being James Bond, you know, as people keep saying. Yep. It, it's sort of a, like a Bourne Bond. It's a, it's a fun film, action film set in Paris. That'll be out later in the year. Um, you have more than that? I mean, that seems like a lot already. Uh, <laughs> when do you There's sleep? also a new series of Black Mirror. I don't know if you know that yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've just done one of those. Netflix are making the new season. Nice. So I have a spot in there, which is exciting. And so um, yeah, there's, there's stuff coming up to look out for. Fantastic. Well, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time. And I appreciate it. Silent handshake. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> my pleasure. Cheers.